first draft of the improvised audiobook presents Struggles of a Dark Lord Story inspired by you, our dear listeners With this week's chapter title suggested by Jordan Stufflebeam on Facebook Read and improvised in real time by Zach Atherton And introduced by me, Nimbly Pimbly Chapter 3 Me, Myself, and the Voices in My Head David is floating, or rather he's feeling the sensation of swimming. He feels his form existing in a space. The closest sensation that he could relate to was during the 7th century of his tenure as a portal keeper, whenever he would walk from his hovel to the 4th level of the Down Under. He would pass a large pool of crystal clear water. He would walk around it, every day, taking him about two minutes. It was so vast. And every day he would see his reflection staring back at him. Dull gray eyes, the color of wet soot, gnarled stubs for ears, a nose that looked like a pig snout that had been punched too many times, a saggy chest with tiny wiry hairs scattered across it. David took nothing with him when he stood his post, nothing except a small wooden carving that he had crafted in maybe his second or third century. There wasn't much life in the Down Under. Certainly there were creatures, beings like himself, who managed it, but not much in the way of flora, flowers, plants, and certainly not trees where there would be wood. That's why, when he found the remains of a tree stump, that he knew it was something special. He had taken the stump and carved it into a figure. The figure consisted of two parts, a tall, skinny figure, with a roughly carved face, with a simplistic body and left arm outreached to a smaller figure attached to it. Small enough, he carved it to fit inside his hand and would put in his pouch every day as he went to his post. David doesn't remember why he carved that or why it was important to him, but he kept this figure with him every day. He remembers one day on his way to his post that he had had a particularly nasty morning. New salt hadn't crystallized on his wall. There apparently had been some lack of precipitation or whatever brought down minerals from up top that came down to his hovel, and his morning meal had been tarnished. He remembers in these early years of his job as a large blur, days blitting into months, into years, into centuries, scratch after scratch on his cave wall in his hovel. But he remembers this day that he took a beat halfway through the path on the side of the large pool to stop and take out the small figurine from his pouch and to look at it. As he looked at it almost in a trance, he remembers this being his first thought, and although he didn't reflect on it at the time, it had become the seed within his heart and in his mind of asking the question who he was and from where he came from. David remembered being startled by a loud noise, probably some other shift guard, manager, or lower-level imp shouting way down in the hallway because they lived in a rock structure. Sounds often carried and magnified, and if people didn't speak in hushed tones, it would quickly develop into a cacophony of noise. This was the case when this noise reached David's ears. Frightened, he let go of his figurine and it dropped into the pool. Acting purely on instinct, without much thought, David hopped into the pool after the figurine, and for the first time in his existence felt the cool, almost crushing iciness of the water submerging his body. 
He remembered the feeling of pins on every pore of his skin, piercing him and scraping him as he instinctively thrust his hands forward, grabbed the water and pushed it to the side, propelling him downward. David remembers reaching the bottom. Although the pool was wide, it was not very deep, perhaps not more than eight or nine feet. So he reached the bottom of the pool with only a few strokes. He recalled frantically digging through the matter at the bottom of the pool, whether it was soot or mud or silt or small rocks or pebbles, he wasn't sure. He just remembers the frantic search and clawing for his one treasure. And after a few frenzied moments of searching, David remembered him letting his body go limp, letting it float there for a second. And he remembers the thought, what if I ended here? Would anyone miss me or would anyone care? And why do I care if anyone feels that way? I could blink out of existence and the world wouldn't change and I wouldn't change and nothing would matter. In that moment of self-reflection, David remembers opening his eyes and seeing lights twinkle from above him. Being underground cave dwellers, goblins and imps and other creatures had their ways lit by candlelight or by luminous algae that spread across the walls. And he saw this light shine through the lens of the water, shining like he couldn't recall the word that he was looking for. But in this light, he could make out the figure of his wooden creation in front of his face. He clasped it tightly with both hands and pushed with his legs, propelling himself toward the surface of the water, breaking forth and taking a mighty breath, his body suddenly remembering that he needed oxygen, and pulled himself out of the pool. David didn't have an experience like that again, although he caught himself thinking about it from time to time as the years slipped past him, like sand in an hourglass, seamlessly dropping with the assistance of gravity effortlessly past him. This was the closest sensation that David could relate to his current situation. Certainly he was not on solid ground. He sensed that his body, his form, his being was being supported perfectly proportionally, and he didn't know whether he was up, down, or sideways, but he just knew he was there. But unlike the water of the cave pool, he did not feel cold, but he also didn't feel warm. He felt perfect contentment. It felt as that moment right after you awake from slumber, where your brain can't decide whether or not it wishes to be conscious or unconscious, and it floats. And he felt his body supported, not by needles, as it was in the pool, but by light. And light was the only way he could describe it, for it is all that he could see around him. Not a blinding light like the focal point of a torch, but a soft golden beam existing all around him. He tried to propel himself or maneuver himself in some way like he did in the pool all those years ago, but he found that he couldn't see his hands. It was as if he could perceive around himself a 360 panoramic view, but yet there was no sign of any of him. He just simply seemed to float there, whatever he was in the moment. As he floated there pondering in perfect peace and contentment, he both saw, heard, felt, and even smelled a presence come up to him. The smell smelling of sunbeams, if that were such a smell. And he saw and sensed and perceived and felt this form in front of him. And although he knew in his consciousness this was not a perfect description, the best his mind could justify was a being of light before him, with golden radiant hair blowing over a too perfect face and a shining robe or dress he could not make out, with eyes that smiled so deeply he felt he could swim in them. David found himself gravitating to this form, to this woman, this being, this structure, whatever it was, wanting to join it, wanting to be part of it, to take what little he was and add 
to the beauty of what he saw. And then he heard a voice, a voice that sounded like a brilliantly warm, crackling fire in a hearth in a peaceful room. No echo, but as if the noise were gently placed upon his ears, if he even had ears anymore. It's good to see you again, communicated the voice. You go by David now, is that right? David, snapping back into focus, perceiving all things at once, replied, Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's me. Have we, have we met before? The Bing chuckled. <laughs> oh, David, it is so wonderful to see you again. It looks like your body has gotten away from you. My body, said David. Uh, guess that explains why I'm not really here, or I can't really feel or see, or I'm sort of just this floating thing. The being chuckled. You always were forgetful. Listen, stammered David. I don't, I don't want to be rude, but, and gosh, I'm sure grateful that you're here. Uh, this seems to be an endless void of light and, and contentment and peace, but, uh, but you seem to know me, and gosh, if I am, if I've forgotten you, please forgive me, but I, I sure am drying up a blank. Could you please tell me who you are? Sweet David, replied the golden voice. It would take a lifetime for me to describe, for you to remember, or to learn, or to recollect, or to forget. Even I sometimes lose track of where we are in the process, but that's not important now. What's important is that you listen to me very carefully. Okay, said David still confused but grateful that he was able to be in the presence of this thing that seemed to at least care for him or have his well-being at heart. It was comforting in a very unusual situation. David, the darkness is coming, more powerful and stronger than ever. You are not on this path by accident. Chaos is calling you, and you must answer the call. Chaos is calling the what? replied David, more confused than ever. You haven't much time, David. You will soon catch up with your body. And when you do, there will be much work for you to do. My heart weeps for what you will encounter, but it is also full of hope and joy of what you may accomplish. Hey, lady, said David. Gosh, I'm going to need more than these riddles. I mean, uh, my body, I, man, I was just, I just, I was with, last thing, oh my gosh, I just, oh, Jackson, bloop, bloop, what is, he stopped and faltered, or Russian memories came back. They're gone, he came to terms with. They were the closest things to, gosh, anything to me ever, and man, they're gone just like that. There's no time to mourn for them, said the voice, nor is there need. All events have been placed before you for a purpose to bring about the greater good. David, you are the instrument. You are the catalyst which will bring about the greater light. Your time here is ended, and you must now return to who you currently are. I wish I could give you more. But I will tell you three things and give you my blessing. First, find the priestess, bring her to the temple, and have her pray. Second, when an unstoppable force comes at you to crush you, never forget, one may always step to the side. And three, the love that you feel is the string between all realities and will guide you home. After she said this, David felt a warm kiss on his brow and felt a warmth flow from the top of where his head would be and flow through his entire body. In that moment, he felt whole and complete and wanted nothing more than to wrap his arms around this being and to lose himself in it. But in this moment of complete contentment, he began to feel the pull of that sensation he felt in his last memory, a free fall, as he heard the last words of the voice. You're going to do so well. 
You always have. David felt his form crash into himself in the most uncomfortable, awkward, and painful experience he'd ever felt, as he felt the sensation of oxygen entering through his nose and into his lungs, like a dam bursting, filling his body with a substance now foreign to him. As David regained himself, he took a couple shallow breaths and tried to open his eyes, tried to open them again for he could see nothing, and realized that his eyes were wide open, but that he was in pitch darkness. Rediscovering his hands, he moved them towards his face, and in the darkness sensed they were there. But as he moved them above his face, where he realized that he was laying down, his hand scraped roughly eight inches from his face a material that he knew too well, the same material from which he had made his figurine. He was touching wood, but the wood was not in the shape of two figures holding hands. It was a flat, unmoving surface before him. He placed his hands before him and touched at first what he thought was a wall. He reached outward with his hands, only to meet the same resistance. Realized that he was in a box made of wood, and his ears now adjusting to hearing again could hear the soft thuds of dirt being placed upon it. This has been First Draft, the improvised audiobook. Music by Ethan Young. Hosted by the Improv Broadway Network. To help create the story, please leave us comments or suggestions on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at First Draft with two S's, or at firstdraft at gmail.com also with two S's. This is Nimbly Pimbly. Thank you for listening. Keep a stiff upper lip, and have a jolly good day.